The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. Cross. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 186 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host on the left coast, Zan Ellison. Zandrick, how are you today? I'm good. You know, we're over halfway through the season. You probably didn't realize that, but... Most teams have played over 41 games halfway through the regular season. And so I think it's fair to say, like, you know, if your team's disappointing or your team's overachieving, like maybe you are who you are at this point. Do you think that's fair? There's a lot of fan bases that would be pretty upset if you said that, because there are some very disappointing teams. And then there's also some teams like, you know, we talked about the Grizzlies. Phoenix is streaking to like 66 wins, but that have been very good and i think there are some teams that are going to need to make some moves too but there there this has been such a weird season with all like the hardships contracts and everything and i don't know zan i don't i don't feel like we have a great grasp on who's really really good right well certainly i see some wiggle room like you know plus you know up to five wins or minus wins but i'm just thinking like you know you hear that small sample size sample size all the time in sports and basketball but for example like 40 plus games in the NBA. That's more than most college prospects are drafted on. They play one year and what, like 35 games. So like, I think it's okay to draw conclusions. If you're willing to draw a conclusion on a draft pick, who's number one, who's number two, it's okay. I think to draw conclusions based on their first 40 games in the NBA. Yeah. Can we make the conclusions that we don't know a lot though? I think we know a couple things. Like I think we know, that Phoenix is very good. I think we know that Golden State is good. I think we know at this point Memphis is good, but I don't like, you know, we think Brooklyn's good, but now Kevin Durant's out for, you know, four weeks with a knee sprain. I don't think we know how Brooklyn's going to respond to that. You know what I mean? I don't think we know the rest of the East. The top of the East is like very muddled. Do we know who the best team in the East is? No, I, I was just thinking more like, you know, the mysteries are clearing up a little bit. Like, and I, I think of the draft for that reason, because like, there's so much doubt, but like, at this point in the season, couldn't you say pretty definitively, like, you know, obviously the future is uncertain, but like, I'm looking at the draft from the last past year, Franz Wagner went slightly ahead of, you know, Davion Mitchell, one pick ahead. And that was debate. Wouldn't you say now it's pretty clear that, Hey, that's probably right. Yeah, I would. I think you can, you can definitely do that from a player standpoint. I, I think that's definitely possible. And I think honestly, at this point too, we talk about the MVP a lot. I mean, we frequently reference the odds on bovadasportsbook.com, but I think at this point too, we can pretty much delineate who's going to be there at the end right. at the, That's now. You know what I mean? Like, I think we know who the best players in the league are at this point. Obviously, injuries play a little bit of a role, but it's kind of like Squid Game, you know, slowly winnowing the field, right? I never saw Squid Game. Oh, you should watch it. I liked it. Um, so let's talk about the biggest. Like we we talk about this a lot, but let's talk about the biggest thing. Is I, I think probably the biggest news. There are two trades we want to talk about because I don't. We didn't talk about Cam Reddish last week, right? That happened after we recorded. But, yeah, I think so. So I do and want to talk about played. that. But Kevin Durant uh, sprained knee this past weekend, limped off. It never seemed like the Nets were insanely concerned that it was going to be like an out for the season type deal. 
But with a guy like him who's, you know, coming back off serious injury and, you know, he's only, what, a year and a half removed, I think you get worried, right? So knee sprain, he has an MRI on Sunday out for, I think they said four to six weeks, right? Or was it two to four? So somewhere in that four-week range. And, you know, for the Nets, it's 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 good. They play more road games in the stretch, so they have Kyrie. But, like, they're 27 and 16 as of this recording. They're a half game out of first, and they lose their best player who's probably been either the best or second best player in the NBA this year. I, I don't think you can feel really comfortable that like this is a storm you're going to weather well, if, if you know what I'm saying. I, yeah, I I'm deeply concerned. I think there's a trickle down effect actually. Let's, let's talk about for one, you mentioned just the MVP odds just cause I wanted to show the updated one. If you want, if you're a betting man, Curry is still the overwhelming favorite, which feels like outdated, but on sports sites like Bovada plus plus one sixty. The two guys that should be favored, Giannis plus 270, has gone way up. They used to be plus 800. Yeah, he was like plus 600, plus 700, plus 800. And then when yeah, Durant got hurt, down, it like down. plummeted. Yeah. And Jokic is, was at 13 to 1. Now he's 7 to 1. Still seems a little Seems unlikely. pretty unlikely, too. And Durant has fallen to 15 to 1. Um, and I think it's almost impossible for him to get back into it. Uh, Giannis, I think is actually, going, Giannis is going to win. I, I do, how could he not? I wouldn't bet this, of course, but. Harden's going to have some massive games coming up. He's 80 to one. I don't think he's going to win MVP, but I think he's going to remind people like, Hey, I could still do it, you know, as well as a top five player. I don't know. Um, yeah, I would bet Giannis. I don't know if I bet him now. I would have bet him at plus, you know, 800. What did, what did you say? Harden's odds were, uh, 8,000 to one. I mean, eight plus 8,000, which is 80, plus to 80 to one. That's actually probably worth a couple couple dollar bills he, he is going to have some big games and, and the other thing too is like you know it's really funny we, we still get all these reports about like kind of the behind the scenes and like you know Kyrie Irving's not going to get vaccinated and we've heard that the Nets are going to be able to make him a full-time player if they want to they just have to pay a fine I think it's like first offense they pay a thousand bucks up to like the fifth offense and then they just keep paying five grand I, I think is what it is in New York and if that's the case then like they have to do it and, and do w- it. at what point do you blame this is unfair maybe but do you blame Durant's injury on you know the over work he was playing over 36 minutes a night i mean him and him and harden both over 36 minutes a night and those aren't young guys and then i think you also get into a situation too there are some rumors out there obviously as this ben simmons thing drags out and there was another rumored trade which i actually thought was like not a bad one for the sixers so we we can talk about that too but there are let's talk about the trickle down because i want to hold on this is part of it sorry this is part of it harden turned down a big extension right preseason and some people are saying like oh it's a good thing you know he, he's definitely lost a step and i don't know about definitely he, he's been playing quite well of late uh he's as bad as he's ever been defensively but what are you gonna do but i i think like there is a chance that he takes the reins back because he's not mm-hmm. been they've been like 1a definitely 1b you know what i mean even more like one and two and harden's been okay with that and i've always argued that i think he would prefer to distribute than score i think that's always kind of been his game is like he he's more of a let the game come to me type of guy and I'm very interested to see there are these rumors that like Daryl Moore is going to sign and trade for him in the off season. And like the Nets know it and Harden's on his way out the door. And I'm curious to see how this Harden having to be the alpha night in and night out, if that changes things, if they come back and all of a sudden, like now there's a really defined role. And because Durant is so easy to integrate, Dan, you know what I mean? Like he, he's just so easy to do what he does. Right. And I wonder like if Harden and Kyrie really figure it out and then all of a sudden Durant comes back and it ends up being a positive. 
I, I'm curious to see how that will uh, well, or, or if or if Durant comes back and Harden's pissed and then he just leaves, then it just changes the caliber the, the like the East in the future. Right. And I, I would say the Warriors, like, I think Durant's better than Steph Curry, but I think the Warriors ran better when it was like try to get Curry going and then Durant will fill in the gaps when he needs to. Um I've never understood the whole like let's get Durant his like we've talked about this at nauseum, but like let's let's give it to Durant in the mid post and like let him get going. He just doesn't need to get no. he's just like always going. Like you can just give him the ball. Whenever you need a bucket, he can get it for you. It's like yeah. the Olympics, like you didn't need to get him going. He just torched everybody. And it's almost like breaking in the case of emergency. You know, if things are <laughs> slowing down, then you just use it. You don't need to start with that. That's um, pretty good. Break in case of emergency. But no, I think you're right. Like that's what I meant. Like trickle down, like massive ramifications of like talk about it's not an mvp award but in my mind i've been arguing it for like five years that i think durant's the best player in the nba except for the year he was hurt obviously and i'm like willing to i think for the first time i would have to withdraw that just based on the fact that i define best player as full season who do i want and i think at this point the injury risk is just too great and i just don't know how you can argue that you'd rather have Durant than Giannis for a full season, right? Do, I mean, do you or the, even Jokic. Do you remember the whole the argument best. about like Giannis not being good enough, right? You remember like this was a thing yes. and like, and then they win and he like, you know, does some insane things. Like I, I was actually talking to a, another group of friends this morning about like Giannis's block last year against Phoenix. And it just like, you just can't do that. You know, like there aren't a lot of guys that can do that. But I, I look back at the discourse on Giannis like two years ago. And it's, it's just like hilarious. Like he just can't get it done in the moment. Meanwhile, like he just posted 50. But even if that's true, even if you think Giannis or Jokic, like they can't get past in the conference finals or whatever. It's like, if you can guarantee me getting in the conference finals every year, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just don't think you can say that about Duran at this point, given the fact that he only played last year, you know, he felt like he had a great year. Obviously he had a, but he was out a bunch. Like he had COVID. He played 35 games last year. He's played 36 this year. So he played 35 games out of what? 71 last year. Plus what he played in the playoffs. And he was a horse in the playoffs for sure. And the the Olympics, he played in the Olympics, of course. But um, I mean, these guys are older too, by the way. Like, do you really like that? That's another thing. If you're talking about like current best player in the world, you, you do view it in the lens of like what the current season is, but like, Giannis and Jokic are like in their primes and Durant as good as he is he's still not out of his prime like he's 32 years old right 33 he's 33 yeah he hardens 32 like those guys are old coming off injuries like and that's that ties to the Harden thing because it's like if you're James Harden like remember he's got traded there and maybe that was his preferred destination but he it's not like he signed a you know multi-year deal to be in Brooklyn correct and so you now you're telling me Durant I'm not sure if I can count on him playing 70 games a year Kyrie has this vaccine thing. Clearly, that would just annoy. That'll me. be. It's a, uh, yeah. I mean, it's more of an annoyance, but that'll that'll just be it. It'll be by the wayside. You know what I mean? It's not going to matter in a couple months. But and it does make me think. Read the tea leaves, as you alluded to. Does this is this make sense? Why Maury would hold on to Ben Simmons if he thinks he could get James Harden this offseason? Let me tell you something. I think that would actually improve both teams. Like, I'm, I'm not saying I think that the Nets would definitely be better because I think there are some things with Ben Simmons that would be harder to integrate. But like with scores around him and just being this like terror defender and being a four or a small ball five next to Durant, he'd be great. Provided he's like ready to play. I don't. I don't want to like just say that. But like Harden, Harden in Philly would be just a riot because like you know Embiid isn't 
doesn't take the game the most serious every single day. And Harden obviously doesn't do that either. The fans are very, very hard on players who don't come up in big moments. And, and while I've argued like Harden has been, you know, as good as he's needed to be in the playoffs and he's caught some runs of bad luck, he certainly has not delivered a championship. And I just think like, I would love to see Harden in Philly, mainly because like I could watch him every night if that was the case, even though I can now, but I, I could actually. <laughs> well, and also like, Looking It'd be forward. funny though. He's a sensitive guy, you know. Like, but you, we tend to think we were talking about Brooklyn as an overwhelming favorite when healthy, and then the question was the health. But I think it's fair to wonder what whose team would be better going forward if you're James Harden. Like looking at Brooklyn, Harden's a free agent next year. He has a player option, so th- it's not about trading him. Like he could just say, "Hey, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Sign and trade yeah. me." Because right now Kyrie has the same situation. He has a player option next year. And and they they were planning before the season, like before all this happened, they were planning on both re-signing and just being in the tax. Like Durant signing was supposed to be a prelude to the two of them signing. Right. Now, as and far then as I know, start to wonder, look, Durant, my, one of my favorite players, top three player, whatever he is, at age 33, this is his contract. 41 million, 44 million, 47 million, he's gonna 51 age. million. He's gonna age fine. He's Provided making fifty-five million in two thousand twenty-five. That's a little scary. Fifty-five million in two thousand in two thousand twenty-five. That might be like six Bitcoin. I don't think it's not a problem. You know what I mean? But he'll it's be age thirty-seven and making fifty-five million. You think you would? I I think that's scary. I mean, he'll age better than Dirk, who was really not terrible until like the last two years of his career. And Durant is a better athlete and like more fluid than Dirk is. And, so I think and LeBron's age- probably worth that still, right? Definitely LeBron as well. If you if you told me you were paying fifty five million for LeBron this year, I think that's fine, right? Yeah, like I agree, I, I agree. With that. Yeah. And and I'm not even saying like, but the thing with with Brooklyn that's like so interesting to me is that like they are built to win like right now, right? Like, and so does it reset their clock if like you you put Simmons on the team? Are they built to win for the next five years? Like I don't know. Do you get rid of if you have him? Like at, at what point are you like? Is Patty Mills coming back? Like Blake Griffin's probably out the door and they, they still are lacking for young guys. And so I don't know. It, it is a good question of like, who is actually better? You know, like who would be better Philly or, or Brooklyn? I, I think the, the hardened fit in Philly would be a good one. I don't know how like great it would be because he does need a center that is going to occasionally screen and dive. Like he, he needs that. And, it's hard to play. I've said this before. Like it's hard to play with, with Embiid if like you need that sort of downhill movement because he just doesn't do that. And so you basically will have two guys now kind of operating where they don't really move if they don't have the ball. And mm-hmm. that, that might be a little bit more difficult than I think people think. That said, Harden's last two or so months, I think, have been very good in terms of like who he is as a guy who's in shape and not injured because he, right. he has looked much more explosive and, and like that he's got a bunch more pop. Now the shooting is still, you know, you, you want it to be a little bit better, but he is still taking really tough shots. But I, I mean, I think like one of the things that Durant hides is that like the Nets are good on offense because they have good players, not because their offense is like fantastic, if that makes sense. And it's not like they're running amazing things to get guys open looks like those dudes get their own stuff. And so I do think, you know, with Kyrie and with Joe Harris, I would expect to see both Harden and Durant's numbers to tick further up if they are able to get those guys healthy. Yeah, but I mean, they're the title favorites still on sites like Bovada plus that 275. Seems, seems a little... That seems a little bit crazy. Like, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be, but with the unknown of Durant and a knee sprain could yeah. stick around for a long time, like, it seems a little crazy to have them definitely as a favorite, especially over team. Like, Golden State's Milwaukee's very good. Phoenix is very good. Milwaukee's very good. Like... 
Yeah, like Miami's I think Milwaukee. Pretty, Miami's pretty good. But I think to the Harden point, Sixers are not a contender, but they're playing without, you know, as we said, like a $30 million hole in their in their cap sheet right now. So, if, so they me, got, if they got Harden randomly, I think, and you take him away from Brooklyn, I think they're a legitimate title contender. Well, let me ask you this. So the Harden, so the, the, the Ben Simmons trade that we like heard, like the Ben Simmons trade that we heard was like Sadiq Bay, Kelly Olynyk, Jeremy Grant, and a first yes. for, for Ben Simmons. Do you think that those players would elevate Philly into a title contending tier, given how good Embiid has played? That's because I actually question. thought, actually felt like that package of players. Like, certainly you're not getting one single player as good as Ben Simmons, and Jeremy Grant has been a little bit disappointing this year. But Kelly Olynyk is like a very useful guy in the right role. Sadiq Bay is probably overrated in terms of what he does. He's not a great defender, but he can make open shots, and the Sixers need some guys like that. And then. Jeremy Grant is pretty good. I, I, I think that's a great question. So again, it would have been Olenek, who I agree, good rotation player. Jeremy Grant and Sadiq Bey adding size and shooting at the wings. I just think both of those guys are just not reliable shooters. Jeremy Grant, 33% from three this year. Sadiq Bey is taking a step back, 33% from three this year. And I, I saw a lot of Pistons fans being like, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. They would definitely do it. Yeah, Definitely. I think they would have to. It, it does seem a little light for the Sixers, just a little bit light. Yeah, but to your point, like I just don't think that pushes them over the top because Jeremy Grant, like everyone loves, apparently is like a person. He's a nice guy. Sadiq He's a nice Bay, guy. Sadiq Sadiq Bay Bay similar, guy. apparently. But like, I just don't think Jeremy Grant is that big of an asset. He's just sort of like, he's putting up numbers as the number one option on a terrible team, and he's not doing it that efficiently. I think that if this is a very, if, if this deal is true, and I don't know what like, my guess is it's probably true, but I, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? I, I don't know how much stuff is like, did this get rumored once? And they're like, yeah, we'll call you back. Like, but if this was Daryl leaking it, I think this is a very good barometer for like, Hey, this is a good deal. Like it is absolutely a good deal. Like it's talented players who serve a purpose for the Sixers. It's I think the Pistons are thinking like, Hey, what do the Sixers need? Right. No, totally. this is a good deal to leak because this shows like the baseline is still incredibly high because you are, but you I know, don't think it is like legitimate I, rotation players, sure, two starters, two starters. But I just think Sadiq Bay, I really like the idea of him. If he was Mikel Bridges, you know, I would yeah, it'd be do great. It, but... If it was Jeremy Grant, Mikel Bridges, and Kelly Olynyk, right. I bet you they'd be driven. Like, Bay, like fits that profile, but he's not like he's not that guy. Profile. Yeah, he's not that guy. I agree, but I'm, but I'm saying like I think this is the first offer I've heard in a while that I think the Sixers would legitimately have put the phone down and been like, let's talk about it. Yeah, seriously, and, like, and it would have been really cool for Detroit actually too to be like Ben Simmons and Cade. That's like a really interesting you- backcourt. Do you think do you think Detroit was like, hey, we'll also throw in Killian Hayes? Just you, you just have him. And 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 Daryl was like, Yeah, we like the first offer a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, but I also think like, Killian Hayes is probably a negative asset at it, this point. It right? seems also crazy, just just for the record. Like, and this is this is interesting from Detroit's perspective, but like a team like Detroit, including first round picks in a deal, seems dumb on its face. Well, so you don't I think it was protected. I'm assuming that this was like the pick they got from Houston or whatever. Like, yeah. I'm guessing this was because their pick like might the, be the number one pick. Right. They're certainly not giving that up. Because I, I think if you're the Sixers and like you could get Jeremy Grant and and the Pistons pick this year and something like you, you have to yes. do it probably oh, because you could get Jabari Smith and like or you could get, you know, Paolo Bancaro who would fit with Embiid. Like you could get different guys, but I would know, trade I, Ben Simmons for their pick right now. If the salaries matched, no, I don't think hoping makes, that you could get a, you, right now. You'd be getting a it doesn't make, five pick. I don't I mean, rookies are so I don't know. It's hard to really count on a rookie. Like if 
if I knew that Kevin Durant was the rookie, right? Then, no, that's true. And and the top three guys are like don't they're really very good with yeah, Embiid. But it's also um, like it's also like what are you gonna, and Embiid together. That would be interesting. Are you gonna are you gonna take a chance on like a twenty five percent chance that you might get the first round pick? Like I, I, they need somebody to to replace Ben Simmons, and like that's and like I said, I think Detroit did a good job of like putting together a collection of players that could replace Ben Simmons, but I agree. I think it's a little bit. Well, light. that's why if, I, if I'm Daryl Morey, I'd think, look, like that deal would improve you slightly. Getting, you know, Malcolm Brogdon might improve you slightly. I don't think you're going to win the title this year regardless. So doesn't it make sense to hold out and hope you can get James Harden next year? Or a big fish like that, like probably, whether it's Bradley Beal or somebody like that. I think that's probably their best bet. I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I don't, I don't, Knowing now that they turned down this Detroit deal, I, I find it hard to believe that they'll get it. That Sacramento has the horses to do it. You know, what I, mean? I don't, or, I don't or think... throw another name, Damian Lillard. Like I think those are like needle movers. Like I yeah. don't think Jeremy Grant is helping you win more than like one extra game in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, maybe the I don't know, maybe the Sixers. Like with them giving more wing depth, and then like they still they still don't get a primary ball handler, which is probably the biggest issue. So like if you're gonna do it, like. Maybe it does make more sense to get because I don't even think like honestly well, if, you're, if you does were dealing, that come with a Tobias Harris trade too, right? Because so, how does that all fit? Like I don't even think I, I think I've mentioned this before, but like if you were going to make a deal with the Kings, right, and the Kings are a, a, a reasonable trade partner, like I don't think you can do it for Tyrese Halliburton because like I don't think Tyrese Halliburton can like play point guard. Like he's good, I think he can be your secondary ball handler, secondary creator. They've done more stuff with him this year, but like if he's the centerpiece for the deal, the deal's probably not good enough. And so I don't know. I, there were. It, it, it's interesting to see with the trade deadline coming up. If I would assume if, if the trade deadline comes and goes, like this is not very great analysis by me, but like if the trade deadline comes and goes without Simmons getting moved, then I think, you know, that like Daryl's pushing weird. his chips for Harden or, and, or uh, Lillard. I think it's one of those two guys. I, I don't think, I, I don't think Brad Beal makes enough sense. Like for the, I don't know for both I teams. I think it's a. He's gotten worse. Like I, I don't uh, know. Yeah, I mean, he's you know he's one of those great three point shooters who doesn't shoot well from three. It's weird. I, I don't know, man. Like it's 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 a situation. But what where about the those other teams you mentioned? Because I think there's like a breaking point. Philly's patient, and people are saying Maury's blowing it, but so far. He's just holding serve. You I mean, mean they're two and a half, really... and they're two and a half games back at the one seed. Like I said, I'd be very surprised if they made any noise in the playoffs. But like, it's not like they're playing horrendous, right? Yeah, like they're you know one, you said one and a half back behind Milwaukee. You know, so it's not like they're out of the mix. Um, but two teams that are, and seem like by the time we post this, might have made a move. Indiana fifteen and twenty nine seem out of it. Kings might get into the playing range, but still eighteen and twenty eight. They seem pretty desperate for a move. Of those two teams, who do you think is more likely to make sort of a blow it up move and who should make the blow it up? I would have said Indiana before Miles Turner got hurt. And so like Miles Turner like has like a stress fracture on his foot. So he's out probably through the trade deadline. And I think that obviously lessens his value. And I don't think Indiana is going to panic and move off of Miles Turner when they get a subpar package in the in in return. And I think he was the guy that like you really wanted. I know the guys on the athletic, like. Danny LaRue and like John Hollinger are like really pushing for like a Sabonis package for Ben Simmons. I don't personally see that. Those guys are really smart. I think they're probably smarter than I am, but like, I don't really like that fit. And I don't know if Indiana will do something like that right now. It would be smart if they could get the Sixers to do it. I'm not sure that Maury would do that. I think the Kings are probably 
less likely to do it just because I don't know that the Kings have like an actual suitor. And I think for the Kings to make a true, true blow it up move, like you're going to have to move to Aaron Fox. And I don't, I think they'd be open to it, but I don't know what the market for a guy like the Aaron Fox looks like. And so I think it's harder for them to actually like blow it up. And I don't think they're going to move Tyrese Halliburton unless it's like a blockbuster type deal. And so like, again, I, I mean, I don't know, like, would the Sixers do Fox and Halliburton for Ben Simmons? Maybe? I don't know. And that yeah, does- you make a good point, like, with, with Fox and Sabonis. Like, point guards who need the ball and don't really shoot well put up huge numbers. They're harder to trade just because they're harder to fit on every team. Most teams have a guy like that, whether he's good or not, but you can't really fit two of them together. And same with Sabonis they're seeing it in Indiana. You can't fit Sabonis on every team. No, it's um, a, I mean, he's a good player and like, these are good players, but like, if you're really talking about like, Hey, if they want a top 20 or top 25 player back, like those guys just aren't available. Like Lillard might be out for the year, right? Brad Beal is not playing great, but the wizards seem like hell bent on not moving him, which I have said seems stupid, but it doesn't seem like they're going to do it. So if those two guys are not available, what else is out there? You're not mm-hmm. D'Angelo Russell, not the Timberwolves are trying to make the playoffs. Like you're not going to be able to make a move for even like a second tier guy like D'Angelo Russell. So like what, what's out there for the, for, for me right now, like it, if the Sixers are going to turn down what Detroit offered, I just don't know that they're making a move and, unless there's something crazy coming out of Atlanta, which I think is possible, but I don't know that it's probable because I don't know that Atlanta has like, like, do you like Zan, like John Collins mm-hmm. and Bogdanovich and a, and a couple picks for Simmons better than the deal? Probably not. I mean, I, I think I said to you, I would do like Hunter Bogdanovich and some picks right. for Simmons, but I don't know that the Hawks are going to do that. Well, and John Collins is such an interesting trade chip because statistically he's really good, like offensively. Like his numbers are yeah, like off the charts good. Worth, I think he's worth exactly what he gets paid for the right team. Right. But then like he, you always leaves you kind of wanting more. And, you know, he apparently, I don't know, him and trade with Young's relationship, but, you know, it doesn't feel like he's, you know, helping them that much defensively. They're still bad defensively. Are those two guys going to be the answer there? That pairing. And then I think, I think he'd be interesting for some teams as like, I don't know about the Sixers, but on the right team, he would be helpful. And you know, what's interesting wrinkle on this trade talks because Indiana's in trouble. Atlanta, I think needs to make a move to really get back in the mix. Like talk about small sample size. Like Atlanta has the 29th best defense. At this point in the season, that's not a fluke. Like you're, you're no, just like defense defensively. Their defense is really bad, and we've talked about this. It may be almost impossible to build a good defense around Trey Young. Like that might literally be the issue. Yeah, and what about? But this is what I was going to say. Sacramento, worse record than the teams we're talking about, eighteen and twenty-eight. You think they're out of it, but they're really not. If you look at the, the West, if if your goal is the plan, because right now the Lakers are eight. Let's lock in the top eight. Clippers are going to go into free fall mode eventually. They're 22 and 23. Paul George has said he's out for longer. Like he, I don't know if he's going to need Tommy John surgery or whatever, but it seems like Paul George. So the two teams ahead of them are Clippers and Portland, who probably going to be in free fall mode when Lillard probably won't come back. Maybe unless they think you know they can hang tough and stay in the play-in. So there's a chance Sacramento just like limps into the tenth spot. And is that a successful season? So here's what I think is probably the two ways to look at this. I think Daryl Morey is a patient guy. I don't know how patient Josh Harris is. I don't know how patient Doc Rivers is. I think there are two calculuses to think about. 
I think the Sixers are aware that in the offseason, the trade market for Simmons might be very much more robust, right? The, yeah. the, the chances to get a superstar or close to it for Ben Simmons exists, probably does not exist in season. However, the Sixers are two and a half games out of first place. Like the Sixers credibly could convince themselves that they could win the East if they don't have a $30 million just albatross sitting at home. And does ownership and the coaching staff say like, look, we have to do this, right? And I think that's the biggest thing. I I don't know. Honestly, I could flip a coin on it. it. It seems like the front office makes most of the calls right now. And Doc has everything else on the court, but we know Josh Harris has gotten involved before. And so like, if that's the case, then I think you have to go to Sacramento. I think Sacramento, is, you, you need a primary ball handler, right? And so, like, do you do De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald? Because, one, you get a primary ball handler. He's kind of an awkward fit next to Tyrese Maxey, but you also get a very knockdown. I mean, Buddy Heald is one of the best shooters in the NBA yeah. at what he does. The Kings seem, I don't know, they've jerked him around for a lot. He's on a reasonable contract. Like, do those two guys push them over the top? Maybe. They, they might. It's, well, and it's interesting, the teams we're talking about, too. Philly, Daryl Morey, um, Sacramento's GM worked for Daryl Morey in Houston, Monty McNair, and he's like an analytics guy. I They might value the same thing, so that might make them harder to deal, trade with each other. But that's why I'd be curious, like, how, do, how does a GM like Monty McNair in Sacramento, if he's an analytics guy, does he view Sabonis and John Collins, who are like good offensively, efficient-wise, efficiency-wise, but like don't really give you the defense that, mo- that they probably need either. Um, <laughs> I was just reading this. Or, hold on a second. Really, real quick back to Sacramento. Like, so it seems like Atlanta, you know, they don't want to do the like Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons thing, which doesn't even really make sense for them. But Sacramento could actually make it worse if they did Fox healed Harrison Barnes mm-hmm. for Simmons and Tobias Harris. And then probably the Sixers would want more, right? Like that, that's, it's quite a poo-poo platter around Ben yeah. Simmons. And Tobias Harris is like an actual good NBA player. He just makes too much money. So like, does that, and also well, then are you what, really going to bring in plan? three rotation guys in the middle of the year and try to tell them to fit? I mean, we talked about this before with Jimmy Butler, like you have 30 days to figure it out and then you're in the playoffs. Like it's, it's hard to do that. There's no odds on this, but. Call up Bovada, whatever it is, get, <laughs> get him on there. We can put it on the board maybe, but like the question is, like, let's just end this sort of button on the segment. Where do you think Ben Simmons will be playing next year? God, I have no idea. Honestly, I I, I hate to, like, give you a wishy-washy answer, but I guess, like, assume, we're assuming he makes it through the trade deadline, correct? Or or no? Like, no, that's it's not it. necessarily. I'm saying uh, right now, know, ne- start of next season. I, I don't think I'd be comfortable assigning better than, like, plus 1,000 odds on anything. <laughs> Maybe the Sixers, I, I would I would put it, like, plus 500. But like, I don't know, Brooklyn probably makes the, I mean, I think Brooklyn makes the most sense because I just don't think, I don't think, I told you you before, I think the Sixers should push their chips in with a healthy MB. Like, I don't think you can waste the season. I've said this before, they should make a deal. I don't, I think that their front office wants to be patient. And I think that the ownership is going to let them, you don't pay Daryl Morey, however much money they're paying him per year. And then tell him like, no, do this. Right. That seems counterintuitive, no, sure. does it not? But I think I agree with you. Like I, I didn't think Philly was that the other reason I think is we tend to say that because Embiid, you never know how long he'll last. But the other reason they should be thinking that is like I didn't anticipate Embiid being like this good for a sustained stretch of time. Right. Like, he's he's been one of the best five players in the NBA, probably, right? Yeah. And if you put like a top five guy with a good supporting cast, you're contending for the title. 
that would be my assumption, assuming he could hold up in the playoffs. And that's why I think it may, I, I think that's, that's the Sixers logic right now is like, if we go too early, we risk just being what we were last year, right? Which was the number one seed in the East. But like at the end of the day, we didn't have the top end talent because, you know, the warts that Ben Simmons has and Tobias being your, you know, probably miscast as like a third option who needs to score down the stretch, probably not who he is. And I think if you do that, if you, if you move too early, you, you really risk that. Whereas like, you know, if you do have Dame and Embiid and Harden and Embiid, like, you know, you have two of the 10 best players in the NBA. And at that point, like anything goes, you still may not win a title, but you put yourself in a situation to be as good as anybody. Well, you don't hear my answer. I'm going to give you a controversial answer to the question of where is Ben Simmons going to play next year? And I might be wrong again by the time. Unless you say something like Cheska Moscow, I don't know how it could be controversial or he retires. I think I'm going to take in on the Bovada side. It's not up, but I would say the field, and I'll tell you why. Like, you can't pick, think, you cannot no, pick no, no, the no, field. But, that is not fair. Because <laughs> the field, saying, obviously anybody would take the field. No, no, no. But I'm saying the teams that we haven't mentioned. So we did mention Detroit, but I'm just thinking like, if he gets to the off season, will a team like Orlando or New Orleans or even Oklahoma City, if they have, you know, a new draft pick, new assets, new cap room, be like, okay, let's, let's get a star. And he's only 25. Maybe. So he kind of fits a, a rebuild. Maybe. Um, or Washington. You know, some teams that, like, I think is going to come off, the, you know, fly off. The, I mean, picking the field is such a – picking the field is like – I'm just saying it's going to be – I'm upset I think about it's going to be a surprise because – This isn't controversial at all, by the way. You give no, no, I'm just saying if he was going to get right. traded to Sacramento, if he was going to get traded to Indiana, like, wouldn't it have happened already? I mean, like, what's the delay? And I think for other teams, I'm I think the like, delay. I think the delay is on the Sixers side. I think the delay yeah. is like, how long can we? Wait? Or on the Harden side, I, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're not trading him midseason. Um, all right, and also talk- you do wonder about how far in advance these moves are planned. Like, I, mean, I, that's, I would that's throw what back, I like. I mean, that like that would be, thing. That would be my thought process. Is like Daryl knows that Harden has a player option, and unless they win a title, he might want to go somewhere else. And I'm not talking about speculation on Maury's part. Like the core three. Two, one. And when I talk about not speculating, because, you know, you can say, oh, let's clear cap space in case we sign somebody. I always think back to Clippers and Kawhi Leonard and this timeline, conspiracy theory or not, let me just remind you. The Clippers re-signed Blake Griffin. Big extension, max deal. It's going to hang his number from the rafters. A few months later, Kawhi Leonard starts having friction with San Antonio and decides he's not going to play for them anymore. A couple weeks later, he did, the Clippers, he did just decide that, by the way, like just decided, like, I'm, I'm done here, which is great. It's, it's so good. Fun but a league. couple weeks later, the Clippers trade Blake Griffin to clear cap space for Kawhi Leonard, theoretically, or a player like Kawhi Leonard, who was not a free agent for a year and a half. A year and a half later, they signed Kawhi Leonard. I don't think that was a coincidence. And so I'm just wondering, you would know maybe better than I would, like how in advance can these deals happen? Because that would be a year and a half in advance, theoretically. I don't or know. Two. I don't know that I can like actually like safely say that I have any sort of answer for this. I think teams are always aware of who might be unhappy, what their contract situations look like, and what they could do to to get guys. You know what I mean? I, I think that is always on good I'll, I'll front go, offices' I, minds. And like I said, I, I do think I think you know James Harden is like a very you know, perfect Daryl Morey player. You know what I mean? Like he got him in Houston, he turned him into who he was. And like, I, I think 
If you told me that for a year, Daryl Morey's been sitting waiting to trade Ben Simmons for James Harden, that would not surprise me. Well, and also, there's less breadcrumbs to follow here, but like how in advance did the LeBron, Anthony Davis, Lakers reunion? I mean, the day day LeBron went to LA, I have no idea. Let's talk about two other trades. Uh, So Cam Reddish is the more interesting one, I think. Uh, So Cam Reddish goes to New York. And in return, well, he goes with Solomon Hill, which who's out for the year anyway, which was a contract thing. And then uh, the Knicks send back Kevin Knox and the Hornets first round pick that they own from the Kai Jones trade, which is top 18 protected, then top 16 protected, then like top 14, 14 protected or something. And then it conveys us two seconds if, if they don't get it in, in two years. And so couple interesting things. Cam Reddish got hurt the day the trade happened, and so he hasn't played for New York yet. But I think this is a good deal for both teams. And mm-hmm. I think when that things when those things happen, we shouldn't just, like, go try to crush teams. And, I, you know, I, I'm interested. Cam Reddish is one of those, like, this is a great deal for you, Zan, because there's, like, so many good conspiracies that go with it. But, like, Cam Reddish is a guy that, like, we both – think could be an NBA superstar. He's probably not going to get there. And for the Knicks, like they don't have to decide. All they have to do is pick up his QO and they have him for a year and a half more before they can decide what to do with him. But I think it shows that Atlanta kind of is definitely ready to make a new move and make a bigger move because I think Travis Schlank knows that the roster he put together, which was quite good last year, has taken a step back. Nate McMillan probably wasn't a great hire as, as we talked about at the time. And so I think Atlanta is trying to figure out, okay, let's get Cam out of here because we can get stuff back for him. And then can we accrue enough assets to make that really big deal? And so I'm interested to see what Atlanta does next, because it also seems like the Trey Young, John Collins thing has officially come to a head and that John Collins just does not want to be there anymore. And so while I think New York did well to get a guy who has like, you know, ceiling as an NBA like star, I think Atlanta is the more interesting part of this because I think, you know, they have a superstar. They have a guy that they're going to pay super max money to. And it seems like they are really struggling to figure out what goes next to him with the roster that we thought before the season was really good. Right. And so I don't know, what are, what are your thoughts on the deal? And then, you well, know, more sure. so Atlanta. I, I, yeah. I, I, I do like it as like for both teams, I will take back one thing you said. I was really high on Cam Reddish. Cause you know, I love pedigree guys, blue chip high school recruits. I don't think there's a chance he's a superstar at this point. No, because I like, mean it, he would have shown right, and so. he's he's in his third year. And like I, I once did a, like a study on like when do people all stars make their first all star team, and it was like shockingly young. It was yeah, like, it's like the average or third ages. year, right? Yeah, they, yeah. they were like twenty four. So like if you're not if you're not good, keep at in mind Cam Reddish is like twenty two. So right, he's still young, but there's usually like a you know, leveling up that you see, especially from year one to year two, one, one of haven't seen. So I will say this, one of the most interesting things about Cam Reddish, and when we talk about pedigree, the guy that you see every night when he plays or like regularly when you like are like, man, he could be so good. Like he is the same guy that he was in high right. school and on the AAU circuit where like there were flashes where you're like, oh my God, this is six, eight. He's so fluid. He's got length. He can shoot it. He can put the ball down. And then like, he just couldn't eat the same inconsistencies are are there against the best players in the world as they were against like, you know, the little sisters of the poor in high school. It's ridiculous. (laughs) It's insane. I mean, honestly, it's crazy. It's it's also a guy that remember there's a rookie survey. 
of his class. Who do you think is going to be the best pro? He won, right? He won over Zion, over John Morant, over RJ Barrett, among his peers. So clearly he had a great rep. And he ends up going 10th, right? But now the better part of the conspiracy is that like the Knicks trade for Cam Reddish, <laughs> yes. they've already got RJ Barrett. We just got to get one more guy to get that big three from that, you know, 2018 Duke team or whatever, 2018. Is what Did they even make the final four that year? I don't remember. They lost in the Elite Eight, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> it's like the John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins. Everyone's trying to squeeze them together. I mean, that Duke they... team was awesome. Just be, like, remember they, lost, they they beat UCF like against Taco Fall in like a super awesome game. Oh, where, yeah, like, yeah. Like, honestly, they, they were fun to watch. And, and you know, I, I think it's it's funny right now because Zion's injured, right? And we don't know what the guy is going to be. We don't know if he's even going to be the Zion we saw for 30 games. John Morant is, uh, has seemingly ascended to superstar status. We talked about this before. He's up to fourth in MVP odds on Bovada, which, you know, I love Bovada, but that, that seems crazy just given his numbers and given how good Memphis was with him out. But he has sort of taken that mantle as like a young player that everybody thinks is like the next up guy. And then RJ Barrett has like very quietly become a really good NBA player, just not that sort of superstar that you thought when he was number one in his class. And so it's it's interesting to look back at that draft class now, but I, I think – I am in on the Knicks, like trying to get Zion to, New oh, York totally. to put those three guys together. I don't I, I, listen on its face. I think getting Cam Reddish makes sense for a team like the Knicks because they've had trouble getting free agents. And if you put Cam Reddish in a position to succeed, he's been begging for a bigger role in Atlanta, even though he probably doesn't deserve it. And if you put him in that position and he's good, you have his restricted free agency rights. Like you, you can pay him and it's fine, right? You don't have to worry about losing him. And so I think a team like the Knicks should do it. But to add the whole, like, Zion wants to be an MSG, like, let's get his college teammates, it's just great. It's fantastic theater to me. Well, and I just looked it up just because I was curious. Um, that Duke team went to the Final Four, lost by one point to Michigan State, who had Cassius. No, that was, in, that was in the Elite Eight, I thought. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, no, Elite Eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, was a, it was a really good game, like a great yeah, game. Yeah, one-point game. Cassius Winston, 20 and 10. Xavier I think Tillman he hit a floater at the buzzer. I think he hit a floater with like a couple seconds left, and Duke missed a shot at the buzzer, I think. But. And Cam Reddish with a pure Cam Reddish game. Two for eight from the field, <laughs> eight points, one assist, showing you who he'd be in the NBA. It's kind of um, funny, by the way, that he got traded for Kevin Knox, just to, just on its like face, because Kevin Knox was another guy. You know, the Knicks, again, they, they don't draft uh, – Mikael Bridges or Miles Bridges, right? They could have taken either one of them. But Kevin Knox was like this kind of long wing. Remember, he was in high school. He was younger than everybody else. Maybe he's Kevin Durant. And he's just sort of this like super stiff guy who's like a good spot up jump shooter. And it seems, you know, he's not going to get an opportunity in Atlanta. And it'll be interesting to see if like Kevin Knox's NBA career is over. But he was also a guy that like, like Cam Reddish was drafted with people being like, yeah, well, if he puts it together, he's going to be really good. And so... I think it's kind of a full circle thing that he's, you know, he's a year ahead of Reddish, but like, did he it's got- true, but I think there's, you know, look, people get make fun of like NBA Twitter and social media and podcasters for just speculation, speculation, speculation. But I definitely think there's some smoke to that fire because if, just watching Zion with RJ Barrett, it seems like he really gravitated towards. They him. love those. They, they seem like they were like really good friends. Like, and it seemed like Zion l- liked being sort of like the quiet one you know and like rj was sort of like the face of the team at first even until Zion cam, was, cam, too cam well. was more cam was more like the the superstar energy though like rj Barrett's like a super nice kid but like cam was like you know the like let's get on instagram like i, I don't know and those guys have been friends for a long time and so 
you know, it's hard now. That's well, kind of like, also like watching the, you know, <laughs> it's crazy to think Zion is a guy who has not played this year. Right. I mean, I don't, I, and again, like he's to me, like he's one of the biggest wild cards out there in the NBA. Cause I he think like, not I, he's not training with the team. I think he's yeah, training apart. He might just not play this year, which is it's his in, third it's, year. He's played 85 games. In the he's, NBA. he's becoming Embiid without like the, you know, you don't know it at the beginning of the year. Like, Oh man, like we knew Embiid wasn't going to play a lot. Now Zion, I mean, who knows? But I, I, again, I, I think the more interesting part of the deal from a non-speculation side is that I think Atlanta, Travis Schlank like went on the radio and was like, this roster's not good enough. Like I didn't do a good enough job. And you, you rarely hear people like say that, but there's a clip out there of basically him talking about how he's got to figure it out. And I think that we've heard about John Collins, like having issues with things in the past. And, and I'm not saying it's John Collins' fault. I'm just saying like, we've, that's what's gotten leaked because Atlanta is going to protect Trey at, at all costs. And I, I wonder how close we are to John Collins just being like, trade me, like, just get me. Like he took his deal because, you know, it was the highest money he was going to get. But remember, he didn't accept it right away. I mean, he 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 kind of went out there and was like, is there something better, I think? And so I, I wonder what Atlanta's going to do, because there are trade pieces for from Atlanta that make a lot of sense. And so, like, do you think like Trey... Ben Simmons and Capella is like a good enough three to win the East. No. And I and think can people play with Trey, by the way, like, is he more of a problem behind the scenes than we think? Well, he's just so ball dominant. Like he he's averaging nine assists a game. No one else on the team over three assists a game. And he was you know, pretty four, awesome against Milwaukee on MLK day though. in the big comeback. No, I, I think you, you can build an offense around him. The question is, Look, I think they wanted to put big wing defenders around him. Theoretically, that was what Cam Reddish and Hunter were supposed to be. And, and Hunter's, Hunter's been quite good when he's been healthy. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah, I think they need to look at, like, look, what's our area for improvement? Can we improve enough internally? Is a Kongwu going to be bam? Is, no. Is DeAndre Hunter going to be, you know, people are talking about him being the next Kawhi at one point. It's probably um, not going to be that guy, but he is, he's very good, I think. Right. So are they I, I, I wouldn't be looking up? to... I wouldn't be looking to trade him. Maybe I'd be looking to, I mean, Gallinari is like a shell of himself, but his contract's pretty worthwhile because I think it's like pretty unguaranteed for next year. So I think like that's a reasonable deal to try to get off of. Well, and do you want to trade like really good? Like I, he just doesn't seem to make sense in Atlanta. Well, you have like not to race bait here, but you have bad defense, Kevin Herter, Bogdanovich, and Gallinari. Do we need all three? Are those guys the uh, Trey Young's the worst defender in the NBA? Well, and also I would look at if I was just tweaking the team, everyone loves Lou Williams. Yeah, know. that's got to go. He's done. It's over. I love Lou he, Williams, but he's washed. Box plus minus negative five. One of he's the probably going to be up there on your LVP column. Yeah. And he, and he fits the the prototype. Old, of like the old guy, guy who, who could only score. score. Yeah. yeah. And it eventually does not score efficiently. And he's just a complete negative. It's pretty unbelievable that you've cracked the code on that one. Like these are going to well, be the most. Well, here's a question for you about like internal improvements. Because the guy that I'd be interested in, if you trade John Collins, do you need a power forward? You know, one-time pedigree guy, Jalen Johnson from Duke, again. It doesn't seem like he's part of their plans for this year. But I don't he's know. actually playing pretty well in the G League, actually. I, I, I mean, I would imagine more. if they trade John Collins, like they're 18 and 25 as of us recording, right? That's abysmal, okay? They are trying to make the playoffs. So I don't know how many minutes Jalen Johnson would get. But if they, let's say they were 30 and I don't know. Let's say they were 22 and like 40 
or something, I think you'd have to play Jalen Johnson every day, right? You have to see but what like Jalen Johnson, who was like a top five recruit, ended up going 20th because he kind of underwhelmed and left Duke's team, I think. In the G League, take it with a grain of salt, averaging 19-11, four assists, shooting 38% from three, seems kind of fluky, only 56% from the line. But like, does this guy give you some of what John Collins does? Probably not today, not this year. John Collins is a good player. And I think the the idea of not having John Collins is probably better in theory than the actual idea than actually not having him on the Hawks specifically. But that also is an interesting point because it's like Trey Young's still super young. So we overachieved last year. We made the conference finals. Do we double down and go all in and get some better veterans? Or do we trade our veterans, take a step back? Hope DeAndre Hunter and Okongwu and all these young guys step up. They're not the going to do that because if they do, Travis Flank is getting fired. So he is unlikely to be the guy to do that. And I, so I would imagine they're not going to. And Nate McMillan is not going to be around to do that either if he right. waits that long. All right. Last, let's talk about this last deal in the last like five minutes, but uh three team deal. So Bull Bull got traded to Detroit and the deal got voided. He uh, went back to Denver, has to have foot surgery. And then uh, late on Tuesday night, Three-team deal, San Antonio gets Wancho Hernan Gomez and a second-round pick, which is 31 and 33 protected, uh, I think, in 2028. The Celtics get P.J. Dozier and Bull Bull. P.J. Dozier is out for the year. Bull Bull also more than likely out for the year. And then the Denver Nuggets get Bryn Forbes. So a couple things. Uh, San Antonio, I would assume, is going to waive Hernan Gomez. Essentially, they just bought a first-round pick or a second round, high second-round pick and got cash. Boston is Dozier's unrestricted. And then Bull Bull is also a free agent and they can't cut him yet, but I I'm, I'm pretty sure that Boston did this. That they could maybe get Dozier's restricted rights, but also this keeps them pretty close to under the tax line, which I know is very important this year because like Brooklyn and Golden State are basically just going to be paying every team like $10 million. But Denver is the one that's interesting, right? Because them trading for Brent Forbes is good depth and it, shows that they are trying to add assets, even though they're 22 and 20. And so they, they think they're getting Jamal Murray back for the playoffs and maybe Michael Porter. I think it's interesting that Denver sort of jumped the line to get a guy like Brent Forbes, who can be a pretty reasonable playoff rotation player. I was, I was surprised to see that happen already because we're still what two weeks from the trade deadline or three weeks from the trade deadline. So I think yeah. Denver is pretty forward thinking and doing this because I, I think Forbes is a guy that, you know, a lot of people are going to be like, Hey, we need shooting and we need a guy who's played playoff minutes. And he's one of the few guys out there that makes, you know, four ish million dollars. And I wonder how much they can play. Cause he is one of the better shooters, one of the worst defenders. So, yeah, but their, their, their lineup, they have so many small guards anyway, right? Like they have composites yeah. that are six foot Monty Morris, Austin rivers. And, and he's kind of like directly in a contrast to Austin rivers who can defend and distribute and Forbes can't defend or pass, but he can really fill it up if he gets hot. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think it's I think it is a sign that Denver wants to stay afloat. And I, you know, and they're kind of in a vulnerable position a little bit because they could slump into the play in tournament. And maybe, you know, look, if it, it's not their overall goal, but it's like if they want Jokic to win MVP, they kind of have to be a top four seed, probably. <laughs> Do you, um, do you think they're getting? I think that's part just, of it. <laughs> just so Jokic can win back-to-back MVPs, you're insane. Your your commitment to conspiracy theories is fantastic. No, it's not even conspiracy theory. Like Jokic, like how many assists can he get to Bryn Forbes? That he can get a lot. Of, he can uh, get a lot. I'm, I am I am sure. I I don't know this. So I can find out if I texted someone who had second spectrum. But I, I bet you that uh, Jokic's guys are shooting under their expected shooting percentage on on 
passes from him. I would bet a lot of money on that. But they've been passed could, by Bovada Dallas. Doesn't go, Bovada doesn't go that in depth, but I bet I bet we could get, I, we could make money off that. They've fallen behind Dallas, and that seems like unlikely to catch up with them. Minnesota's a few games behind. Lakers might end up catching them too, I think. So you're talking about a team that might slip into the 7, 8, 9 range. The Lakers are 22 and 20 and Minnesota's 22 and 20. So like they're, well, the they're, Lakers are 22 and 22 now. Oh, 22 and 22. Sorry. Both teams are 22 and 22. Excuse me. I, I don't know why I said yeah. that. So Denver's 22 and 20. So they're a game up on those two teams. And both of those right. two teams are, are pretty capable, honestly. So, yeah. And Minnesota quietly, you know, in, in the seven spot. My yeah, just Chris an epic, Finch, 40 just a, just to one for coach of the year. Do you think just, that's he's not going to win, but just a hilarious collapse by the Knicks uh, on Tuesday night in a game like they, you should probably need to have if you're leading with like three minutes to go in the fourth quarter and they, they end up like giving up a run and lose by two, uh, you know, Minnesota's good, but I don't know. Just, I, 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 like I want to look up the Chris Finch coach of the year. Is it possible? I, I've touted it 40 to one. He's not going to win. What I'm if going on a huge run and end up with the top He's, four seed. Okay, maybe he wins then. But like JB Bickerstaff, Monty Williams, or Billy Donovan is one of those three are going to win. Yeah. And Go I think ahead, it should be Billy Donovan. But I'm I'm looking it up. I thought you'd vamp a little bit. Talk about your No, I got nothing else. For, I'm ready. I'm ready. Movies. We're ready. We're ready to wrap. I just was going to say I like that Denver kind of jumped the line a little bit. I I think the teams doing smart things like that is is very good. Like, hey, let's get a guy when we need him. And they didn't give up anything really. They ended up paying a, a little bit more. In cash, I think that the, I think I read that those two salaries, Bull Bull and PJ Dozier, who again weren't going to contribute for them, made just over four million, and I think Forbes makes like four and a half. So I think it was a pretty Here good deal for them. You come, you come to me for betting insight. I said Chris Finch, forty to one to start the year. That's a great value. At the moment, forty to one. That's 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 the kind of value you get here. All right, so don't go bet Chris Finch on Bobata. Uh He is not going to win, although he has done quite a good job, and I think that he and Sachin Gupta have made a pretty good case for staying around in Minnesota. Uh, But that is it for us this week. Maybe an emergency pod if Ben Simmons gets traded. Can we book that? Uh, No, I'm not going to commit to that. But maybe I'll say. I'll I'll put it as a I'll take the field. How about that? Um, He is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. Uh, You can email the show, ZandrickEllison at gmail.com. And uh, Zan, as always, buddy, it's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.